Whether you're on the go with a summer vacation or decide to spend your free time with a staycation, the No-So's got you covered. Relive your favorite era of wrestling with New Gen on a Mission, Wrestling Warzone, Extreme Three-Way Dance, or the Ruthlessly Aggressive Podcast. Keep in touch with the modern era with GC Dub, Clotheslines and Headlines, you know what that means, and Viewer's Choice. Or sit down and nerd out with No Holds Barred, WWE War, or The Wrestler That Was. It's summertime, and the living is easy. Because you've got the North South Connection. NorthSouthConnection.com. I, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, am an unqualified success. wrestling promoter throughout North America. I kicked every one of their asses. The fraud, the messing with me. What's your secret? More than any one quality that makes me the successful man that I am. Ruthless aggression. So I want to know here tonight, as you stand here on my ring, which one of you has that quality? Who among you has that one single ingredient? Who has enough? North South Connection, welcome back to the Ruthlessly Aggressive Podcast. I'm your host, Jake. Um, joining me this month is Scott Chifflin. He's with me. We are on the go home quickly. This one stuck up on That stuck up on your last episode. That's kind of a bullshit answer, but it did come fast. I find this has been a very quick build, like one of these, uh, I don't know if we had three or four weeks, but anyway, we're at the go home to Judgment Day 03, a pay-per-view I'm sure everyone remembers very fondly and knows all the matches, but we're going to get to it because we're going to get the final push here today. Scott, how are you doing? Your sentence is almost up, buddy. Oh, yes. Um, I'm just, you know, the light's getting closer and closer to I'm free. Um, you know, you mentioned how people know the Judgment Day card. I'm barely certain WWE didn't know the Judgment Day card before the <laughs> go-home show um, started, uh, as we see some hastily together put-together matches. Yeah, we're going to get some additions that I can't, do not look like they're going to... Um... I can't say they look like mad classics, but we'll we'll obviously break that down. It, yeah, definitely. And and I, it blows my mind, Jake. Like, you know, we pay like five or ten dollars a month now for Peacock, right? Back then, these people were paying like thirty or forty dollars for these pay per views. I would be sick to my stomach. 
paying that. Which adjusted for impl- inflation uh, nowadays is probably like $70 or something now. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. in today's money. And it's just like, it's so like, you know, it, it's a good thing like that there is competition in wrestling because WWE is pretty damn stale right now, if I'm being honest. Yeah, they've definitely, they've struggled a ton um, since Mania 19. It's like, it, it's a weird, like, like it's kind of falling off a cliff, honestly, because it was fairly hot. And I know they kind of go into lulls a lot, but I feel like this has been a particularly rough. Like, I would say so far, the reputation that 03 is bad has been pretty, it's been pretty on par. The TV has just been, it's been so mediocre. Like, they feel like they're mailing it in, and as we get to it, I feel like this week kind of has that vibe on both shows, right? And it used to be sort of like Raw would be weak, but then SmackDown was a little bit better. And I feel like SmackDown's been a little, hasn't really just kind of <laughs> met Ross in the pits, I guess. Yeah, and I, you know, as, as entertaining as uh, McMahon is, going back to a few that originated in the early 80s, in early in the mid in the early two thousands is um it's probably not the way to go as as when we get to SmackDown and we see ragged ass Roddy Piper barely able to like walk around the ring it it's heartbreaking yeah they seem overall just kind of in a rut at this point I don't know if or when it's going to come out but all right we'll see what we can find positive though we'll we'll head into it. No real news notes on this. Again, maybe that's letting you know where they're at because there's really not a whole lot happening backstage besides, I mean, there's breaking down the ratings and all that. And the biggest news story is still the Elizabeth thing. And I don't want to, you know, obviously a week we talked about in the last one and a week has passed. Uh, I think this is the week they also put on Confidential, which I think was kind of controversial at the time because they it was a hit piece, plain and simple. Mm -hmm. Right, and they played the 911 call, which some people thought was a little, and then kind of used the 911 call as, you know, I guess a ratings ploy in a way, like trying to, uh, you know, save it for the end of the show, like it was a big main event. So that's a little sketchy, and yeah, I don't want to get into all the details. It's a extremely depressing situation how it all went down, and also I think most people, if you're listening to a week by week breakdown of 2003 Raw and SmackDown, I think you're probably familiar with the. Uh, you know how everything happened with uh, Miss Elizabeth, so we won't rehash all the uh, the details. But that's kind of the biggest outside the ring news story. Not a whole lot going on backstage. It's just kind of they're chugging along and trying to figure things out. So, uh, so we will start from Philadelphia. So this is going to be the May twelfth, two thousand three episode of Raw. So big city too. You'd think. Let's see if they bring it for the uh, the big market here. We actually start with a cold open right after we get our music, and it's Christian who is already in the ring, and the cage is already up because he is supposed to have a match with Goldberg tonight in the cage, uh, I guess, to settle their ongoing issue, which is odd because you would think this would be something they would want to do on the pay-per-view, get Goldberg on the pay-per-view, and maybe this could be the match. Already kind of weird that he's, uh, you know... That he's with Christian, which seems like a downgrade because he's coming off a rock. But I guess they're doing the whole, you know, slow it down so they can pick him back back up thing. But I guess they're deciding to do this on Raw. Um, But anyway, he starts getting into why he's here. He tells the crowd that uh, he starts explaining why the match shouldn't happen. None of his peeps out in the audience want to see him get brutalized. And he also has (laughs) a big photo shoot coming up. I don't know who's taking a picture of Christian besides, I guess, like Raw magazine. But 
So he's in there filibustering in the cage. The glass breaks. Austin comes out. Uh, he pretty much tells Christian that uh, he's a dumbass because the match is for later. <laughs> and Christian says, no, but you told me you were coming. I was supposed to come out number one. You gave me the, the, the number one on your fingers. And, of course, that was Austin giving him the middle finger, which he interpreted as going <laughs> on first. He says he wants to address, address his peeps uh, that – Austin just was after him because Rock is his fave and that Rock kicks Stone Cold's ass at WrestleMania. But it's not his fault that The Rock beat him. Austin, this is like a new thing they have Austin doing where he, I mean, he might have done it before, but I think in the GM role, they really push this where he like covers the mic when somebody else is talking and he's like getting annoyed with them. Like he just puts his hand over the mic, um, which is, I guess, kind of funny. I mean, it's Austin, so he kind of delivers it well, but. Yeah, he says he's starting to lose his patience, and if uh, if Christian doesn't shut the fuck up, he's going to take away his spot <laughs> in the Battle Royal. Then here comes RVD out of nowhere. He says that he's entering the Battle Royal because he's a former champ. Christian wants him to take his spot against Goldberg because that's what the fans would want, so Christian trying to do whatever he can to get out of this. Austin says he's full of crap. Uh, he Austin does the give me a hell yeah, th- hell yeah thing, and then RVD and Christian want to do their own versions. Um which Austin's honestly annoyed with both of them, even RVD, who's supposed to be like a fan favorite. Austin tells Christian to leave. Now we get Kane's pyro uh, going off. Uh, Kane and RVD have a little exchange where they uh, they talk, they do the whole like Royal Rumble version of this, where it's, uh, you know, like, you know, I know we're tag team partners, but if a push comes to shove, you know, it's every man for himself. I'm going to win the Intercontinental title. Uh, I'll go through my partner, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, RVD tells Kane, same for B-Man. Uh, so pretty standard stuff there. Um, we continue on. Austin says he wants a beer, and now Eric Bischoff shows up and uh, says that this is getting out of hand. He says um, he wants uh, Raw to raise the bar, not the beer at the bar. You know, uh, get it. Says that uh, that RVD and Kane are going to defend the tag belts against a team that they have never faced. It is one of the best, if need not the best, uh, tag teams ever. And so I will reveal who he says because we'll go straight into the match. But uh, yeah, there was a lot. It was a, it was quite a hodgepodge of an open there, uh, Scott. It was it was all over the place. Like yeah, I mean, I guess they were trying to get Christian Heat, but then you got RVD and Kane coming out. I guess they're trying to transition to this next match, but it was a little bit of a clusterfuck. Yeah, I'll let you uh, take a breath right there because that was a lot. <laughs> yes. um, you know, Austin was fine. Like. Um, you know, he actually did have some good lines when he was like, do you wear glasses and the crowd chain and what? And he's like, do you wear contacts? What? Do you have a vision problem? What? He said, no, I said you were number one. And he gave him, like, with the finger thing I thought was was funny. Um, yeah, them trying to heat up Christian, you know, is it, nice. But, like, it's like they're, you know, putting him in the microwave and, like, putting him on max. And it's like, it might be best to, like, slowly build him, which we which you see happens when you get to it in, you know, 2053. Um, so... <laughs> I mean, he does get over organically, but this just isn't the time. And he also has a haircut and he looks better. Um, you know, RVD coming out, you know, it is Philly, so it makes sense. Like, you know, he gets a, a pretty big uh, chant and everything. It just felt weird with Kane coming and they were like, he says, we might be tag part, we might be a tag team partner, so we might be friends. But, he, but you know, at the Battle Royal, we're not. And it's like, well, dude, you're the tag team champs, so. Um, you know, Bischoff Lynn um, is like comes down as the voice of reason, which is strange. And uh, I don't know if you noticed, but when Eric was coming out, Austin like chucks a beer at him and Eric just sidesteps it. 
<laughs> which I thought was funny. Um, and yeah, we can talk about the tag team, but like this was a long segment. Like people give Triple H crap for talking for like 15, 20 minutes. This was like 20 minutes. And Jake pretty much got it down concise to like five minutes. But as you can see, like he needed to take a step, some a, a breath right there. But it was it was a lot. Um, you know, I just don't know what they were doing. Yeah, and it's weird because, I mean, I get what they're doing. I think what they're shooting for is, like, you know, having all these things interweave, but they're really not interweaving. They're just kind of all out there at the same time talking about what they each have going on. I mean, and then it's also weird because you got – now it's like Austin and Christian going at each other, even though the conflict is going to be – is Goldberg and Christian. And it kind of works because Christian's like this chicken shit heel or whatever, so Austin kind of bury him a little bit and make fun of him. But we'll see as the show goes on. It's something I'm getting a little concerned about is that, you know, Austin's obviously super entertaining, but at some, they have to watch the way they do this because if it becomes too much about him, it's like it makes their whole roster seem like kind of schmucks because it's like if they all have to go through Austin for everything and he out, and he overshines all of them, I don't know if it really works. So it's just something to pay attention to. And just the general Eric and Stone Cold thing be – like, is it going to become overbearing? I think is, is something to look out for. And, and one thing as well is like Austin gets over with like, you know, with putting the heels down, but they can't get any heat back on him because they, I don't think he can take any bumps. Mm-hmm. So like, that's like a negative thing as well. Right. All they can try and do is like try and roast him on the mic, which is going to be tough because he's kind of, which isn't going to happen because you right. Know, he's kind of invincible in that regard. This may not be 98, 99, even 2000 Austin. He's still really good on the mic, and he has the crowd in the palm of his hands, as you can literally see, which I had forgotten, Jake, with, like, you know, the what stuff is annoying as hell 20 years later, but the crowd loves it. Yeah, he works the cadence super well. He knows exactly how to work it. I mean, agree. But, yeah, it was just kind of a – I know what they're trying to do is get it, like you said, get RVD out there, but it's just – it felt a little bit like there were – throw a little bit too much stuff together but anyway the tag team that they rvd and kane are going to face here is going to be i was not expecting this at all i I did not remember this happening but it's going to be the lod so it'd be hawk and animal coming out to face rvd and kane um were you surprised you had any memories of this i remember watching it um live but when i was watching it for this like i was like oh my goodness what what's going on type deal um but yeah I, i was shocked when they came out yeah, so the LOD come out. They're they're obviously lumbering around. Not in look. They're not. They don't look like horrible, horrible. But they're pretty. They they're a little they're a little thick and not just like their normal uh, thickness. They're they're moving kind of slow. Lumbering was the word that kept coming to me. Anytime they move in this, um, it was lumbering. Uh, RVD hitting some kicks. Uh, no, go ahead. I will say Animal looks better than he does in the run that he has, I think, in like two years from now with Heidenreich. Um, yeah, right. that's all I'll say about that. Right. RVD's hitting some kicks on him. Kane gets in, lays a clothesline into him, some boots. Uh, the biggest spot the LOD did in this is they, uh, I mean, they look like they were they were sucking one about 40 seconds into this. They, uh, they, they not look like they were in uh, the best ring shape by any stretch, but... They, the biggest spot for them was the doomsday device that they teased, but then RVD just ducks it, which I thought was like a funny way of uh, – was like avoiding that. Like I feel like I haven't seen that a lot. Maybe people in the 80s should have done that more. But anyway, Rob ducks. Kane goes back in for a choke slam. 
and uh, RVD hits the five star. Basically a squash. They're just kind of going to get the crowd to pop for a random, um, you know, a, a random appearance by some legends. Uh, I want one star on it. Um, I think at this time I'd read like, I think Vince was trying to bear the hatchet with some of these guys that he had had conflicts with. Like I think he and Hawk had some heat or whatever. And apparently at this time Vince was trying to mend some fences with these guys like uh, like the LOD and uh, Piper. Like that's why Piper's back. So maybe it was just like Vince trying to throw them a bone or something. I don't know. Just a pop for the crowd. It's not like Philadelphia particularly is like you know, it's not like they're in Chicago or whatever, the LOD where they always get the pop. But I don't know, I went one star. I mean it was novel. They kept it short, thankfully, so it didn't they didn't get exposed too too bad. Yeah, we're we're a little close. You're you're one star. I went a star and a half. Um, I was shocked when they came out, so like it gave me a little nostalgia, which I enjoyed. Like uh, Hawk hitting the um, uh, RBD hitting the spin spin kick on Hawk was nice, and then Hawk actually hit a nice neck breaker, and they kind of you know RBD ducking the Doomsday device like that makes it look like shit. Like I thought like Hawk just missed him at first. But then they showed it on the replay with RVD just rolling over. I was like, okay, that, lo- that looks a little better. But it, it looked really bad um, w- with that happening. And But I do like the choke slam and frog splash combo, which I don't remember, Jake. So, yeah, that was that was nice. Yeah, they've been doing that pretty consistently. It's kind of like their little double-team finisher. If it's a match where they're winning pretty handily, like something like this where it's kind of more of a squash match where they're – you know, if they're, like, surviving, they don't always hit it. But if it's just kind of going in there for a good old solid title defense, they kind of been doing it. But, yeah, it's real cool. It works. Again, like, we've – I mean, you said it. I've said it since they started. It's kind of like, a, I feel like, an underrated little team. Like, I don't remember them having this much of a run. But they're pretty fun. Yeah, they really are. And they're a nice time-together tag team that works. Like, I know they'll do, like, uh, something I really enjoy or it might have already happened is, like, they get, like, a sh- – like, Kane gives RBD, like, a shoots and ladder thing. I think it happened during Christmas. So, um, I don't know. It's just something that sticks with me. Right. All right. We had to Stevie and Victoria. They are backstage and they kind of corner Trish where she's sitting backstage and they just kind of talk about how they have a hardcore match tonight and how they're going to take away her good looks. So, uh, yeah, just like some pretty basic stuff there to tell us that there's a match later. And then we get a, a recap of the uh, never ending brawl from last week where Triple H uh, carjacked someone. Which apparently nothing came of that, even though they carjacked someone on TV. It was it was uh, GTA. Uh, what, what were they in uh, uh, Nova Scotia? So, right, <laughs> GTA Nova Scotia, correct. So we get a recap of that, and then we head to uh, Jericho and Triple H speaking backstage. Uh, Jericho does this cheap heat thing where he buries the Philly sports teams and talk about like, as he the, should. The, <laughs> the, does he what? Shiva is always um, any any sports teams in the uh, in the Northeast. He's Baron Boston, Philly, a whole lot of them. You just no love from Scott Shiva. You bring me Northeast. on from New York, I'll bury them too. All right, well said. Like Pedro in 04 when he said, "Get the great Bambino," I'd hit, plunk his ass too. It's calling shots, people. That the the views of Scott Shiva do not reflect my views on the wonderful. Um, fans that listen to the podcast and fans of all sports teams in the Northeast. But anyway, they talk about how uh, it was one year ago that Triple H tore his quad here and Jericho, you know, I mean, obviously Jericho didn't really do it. It's kind of like he just landed awkwardly, but um, they kind of play it that Jericho's the one that tore his quad. So Triple H is kind of trying to, 
manipulate him a bit and say that like you know when you tore my quad that's when your career skyrocketed you know you won the uh the undisputed title and all this and if you do it again you might have the same impact uh, on your career this time around um and then jericho's kind of into it i I didn't like this because i found it made jericho look like a like they continue i was hoping that you know they had the little thing where they had to throw jericho in that tag but they're kind of just in a rough spot with the injuries because evolution is all injured so like um, I was hoping they would drop that, but they're still kind of playing off Jericho like he's he's Triple H's stooge, which I don't really like. I feel like Jericho, the character, I mean, I get it's his ego and stuff, but this seems a little bit too like, like this seems like something Triple H would say to like a lower card, like Jabroni to get him to do his bidding and not somebody like Jericho. So I, I didn't like that aspect of this. Yeah, but, uh, you know, Triple H usually, like, goes over on Jericho, but he actually said, like, Jericho brings up, he's like, yeah, I tore your quad, which I thought was nice. Uh-huh. He also has a shirt that says, don't be an ass clown, which I would love to have now. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it was, you know, I, I had forgotten, like you said, like, but it shows, like, the lack of depth with the Raw roster and the SmackDown roster. Just the lack of depth right now with um, with wrestlers, because it feels like the last three weeks we've talked about like the same like ten wrestlers across five hours of programming each week. Right, it's like I forgot about this little weird mo- this weird era where like they start Evolution, it's kind of like a false start because Batista and Orton are hurt, and so it's like they kind of built this whole thing where they want Triple H to be like the Flair with his Horseman, but then he has no Horseman, so they need to find somebody to like play his stooge and they've kind of picked Jericho at this point. It's just odd. It just seems like an odd role for Jericho. Like it doesn't seem like he would buy in the triple H's bullseye. You know, you could like, it seems like Jericho's so cocky. Like, what do you mean skyrocket my career? I don't need you to do that. I'm already the best. Like, I don't know. It just didn't make a lot of sense to me. Maybe I'm nitpicking. No, no, I, 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 I agree. Um, it should be like, you know, I hate to say this, but it should be someone like Rodney Mack or something like to take mm-hmm. out Nash. But because, like, you know, we talk about the lack of depth, but then, like, they're trying with, like, so many wrestlers all at one time that, like, they all get kind of, like, muddled. Like, we see, like, you know, we're going to talk about La Resistance. We're going to talk about Rodney Mack on Raw. They're trying with Christian. Trying to push all these characters at the same time instead of, like, just doing, like, a slow and steady thing. But it's just, you know, the product of the time. That's what happened when you just work around, like, you know, like you said, like you brought this up on the mania, how it was just the part-time wrestlers and now they're gone and you have the barren, the, the cupboard is pretty barren. Right. Um, all right. So we, we have Goldberg, he arrives in his limo and a car, he goes to open the door and before he gets out, luckily, uh, a car <laughs> speeds by and kind of shuts the door. And, uh, so the person's going like 60 miles an hour. So presumably they were trying to murder him, but, so now we have a vehicular homicide attempt going on with this. So uh, this felt very Russo-ish to me, like very either you could pick what uh, company 99 WCW or WWF. I think either one would work, but it felt it had that kind of energy to it. Like, I guess we're supposed to presume Christian setting this up. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, that's I've forgotten all about this weird angle and we really don't see it anymore um like we see it talked about some tonight but like it seems to be ongoing so i have to see if something happens at judgment day or your next victim we'll have to figure out the mystery of who tried to run <laughs> over who ran over austin i mean goldberg right 
All right. Speaking of Austin, Teddy's in the back. He speaks to Austin. He says that uh, he tells him that tonight Rodney's going to take on two white boys at one time. But he says Austin is missing an opportunity in this battle royal because Rodney Mack deserves it. He's being held down. Yeah, and he's not. Uh, Austin does not have one single black man in this uh, battle royal. And Austin says, "You're right. I have made a mistake." But he didn't forget Rodney Mack. He says he forgot Booker T. So he adds Booker T. to to the. Um, <laughs> to the uh, battle Royal. Teddy's upset. I do like all this. And we'll see in the match. So I like Teddy being shrewd and that he never like, like, you know, he'll go out and talk all this shit to King, but he knows Austin has like pull, like obviously he's the GM. So he's very like diplomatic with Austin. Like he's upset, but he doesn't tell him anything. And we'll see him in on commentary. He's very like, uh, like he doesn't want to say anything too bad about, um, so he's doing a, he's doing a good job as a manager, right? He's making sure he doesn't ruin an opportunity for his guy. So, but, uh, it falls on, uh, it backfires on him because Austin is uh, following the rules. That is, because um, we have to remember this battle royal, it's only former Intercontinental Champions, which seems like a weird <laughs> justification. Some but, weird arbitrary, yeah. It's right. like, Pat Patterson should be in it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do love how Teddy said, what up, Playa? And Austin said, don't call me Playa. Right. <laughs> so stupid. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so... Uh, Rodney Max could be taking on our two white boys here. Um, the only one that, that I recognize, I believe one of these white boys is Kenny Dykstra. Am I saying his name right? Yes, that is correct. I, I was like, oh, look, it's the Spirit Squad. Right. So a very young. I did not know who the other person was. I don't know if you noticed it was anyone of note. Not in the Spirit so. Squad. So I did not pay attention. Um, I did pop for Lillian announcing this as like doing the announcer voice and calling it the five minute double white boy challenge. <laughs> kind of popped me. <laughs> doing it in the Lillian voice was pretty good. Um, Rodney wrecks them though. And again, like I said, Teddy, very diplomatic. He's like, you know, Austin's got, you know, Stone Cold, he's got a lot on his plate. You know, I understand, you know, he couldn't like, cause they're ragging on him. Like, come on, you just gonna let, you know, why you didn't get your guy in the battle royal, but he doesn't bury Austin. He's, he's very like, you know, it's, it's not his fault. You know, he's got a lot going on. Uh, but anyway, we get a, I thought the press slam onto the ropes is a pretty cool move. Rodney pulled out on him. He's working the Cobra clutch. Well, I actually uses that to win this on about 90 seconds. He kind of does like a rear, like at first he does a regular Cobra clutch early in the match, but then he finishes. I didn't even know which one of these dudes he has, but he kind of lays him down on the ground, does a Cobra clutch, almost like a rear naked choke. But he, he finishes him in like 90 seconds. Uh, Teddy accuses King of drinking Haterade, which uh, was kind of like, I guess, a new term back in 2003. Thanks, Stuart Scott. Right. R.I.P. Yes. Yeah. But I, I want to star on it. But I, I do think these have been fairly effective. Like these, the five minute white boy challenges of getting Rodney over. He's looked pretty, he's looked fairly impressive. It's not like, you know, the greatest squash match I've seen, but he doesn't look like shit either. Like he looks pretty powerful. Like he always shows in a few good moves. Like here he's in the Cobra clutch, the press slam. Like he hasn't been bad. Yeah. Like that's, what's crazy to me. Like I remember like I was like turning, this would be like, I used it like as a jump channel to see what was on ESPN, you know, in 2003, but now I'm watching, I'm like, this is actually pretty fun. Um, so these guys were supposed to be brothers in the ring, and King goes, uh, they aren't brothers, they are white. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's I, a King line. I was like, oh, that's the one shitty King line uh, that that I'll get this, this week, and it's uh it, it was rough but yeah one star like i, I kind of enjoy like when um it's probably why i like 
uh, Rusev so much, Miro, is when they were like building him up in WWE. He was just beating the piss out of people. So like, mm-hmm. I'm always a big fan of like when the wrestlers start getting built up of like just being like these unstoppable horses, and that's what they're doing with Rodney Mack right now. Right. Just got to make sure we move him forward, um, that we don't lean on this too long. But he's at least like doing moves. He doesn't just he doesn't just lumber around and do nothing. These matches, which is good. All right, we had the coach. He's with Eric Bischoff, uh, and he's trying to get the scoop on what happened to Goldberg. So coach demoted to backstage reporter now. Uh, Eric has no comment. He's very upset. But we do see that classy Freddie Blassie is here. He's in a wheelchair. Um, very old at this point. I imagine he's like in his 80s maybe at this point. But um, uh, Eric doesn't want to be seen with him. Uh, but uh, Blassie comes back and says, the way you stutter, you prick, which uh, – <laughs> uh, which is pretty funny. Uh, Rico runs up to him and tells Eric that, uh, you know, three minute warning is kind of falling off, which even they're admitting that they suck at this point. Like even their own people like Rico saying they suck. Uh, he's trying to figure out what they can do to get back in the picture. And Eric says he'll get back to him. Uh, but he wants uh, Freddie Blassie inside because um, you could probably see what they're trying to sell here with Blassie and three minute warning being mentioned. Yeah, uh, it looks like Freddie had uh, about three more minutes of life left. Uh, <laughs> he showed up on screen. Um, he's looking real rough. It's been a rough two years for Freddie since he was around in the invasion time. Um, but yeah, it was a fun scene. Like you know, this was when all the wrestlers were writing books. Even though wrestling had went on the down, it wasn't as hot as it was in the late '90s or uh, first like six months of 2000. Well, first year and a half. So. It's, very good uh, segment, and you know, three minute warning, openly admitting that they suck because that's what me and you have been saying, you know, since they beat up Moolah and May, which was their highlight for me. But all right, so we'll see uh, what's in store for him in just a second. But we will head to Angry Goldberg, who's in the back kicking shit because someone tried to murder him with a, a car. Um, he meets up with Austin. They kind of do like a little. Anytime they have these two like facing like face to face, they kind of stop the camera and like pause to try and let the crowd pop. But uh, Austin wants to know if he saw the driver. He said he didn't, but he want, he's taking it out on Christian. So I was like, okay. So we have no further development in the uh, it's like, who tried to run over Goldberg. It's like what you see in like romantic well, romantic comedies when the guy's with the girl at first and like, you know, like, or like a Lifetime movie where something <laughs> bad happens and like he beats the woman and it's like he's taking out the frustration. That's Goldberg right there. Um, right. And my exact note, Jake, with this, Goldberg kicking shit and Austin asks him about the car. It's nice to know me and you're on the same wavelength. Yeah, there's not much more to say about it. Um, also, Goldberg's got his, he's got like a t-shirt tucked into like his uh, athletic pants, which is a, it's kind of a look. He's, he's uh, like, yeah, he's like an assistant uh, college basketball coach or something. Or if I you're practice. in West Virginia, you're now the head coach. <laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> All right, so now Freddie Blassie comes down to the ring in his wheelchair. He has, like, his um, – they say it's his wife. I don't, I don't know if I believe that that was his wife. It was whoever they hired to play his, like, uh, to push him in the wheelchair. But uh, he has this, like, inc- incredible cheesy horn music that it was, it was killing me. It was like, burr, 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 burr. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Um, you know, he puts over the book. I was interested. I looked into this book, and apparently it's a pretty good one. Like, he's got a pretty interesting career. Like – he apparently started wrestling like in the 30s. He was born like 1919, so he was already wrestling. Him and in Sean Kidd. Hey, how about it? Uh, classy Sean Kidd. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, that's a hell of a career because, like, I didn't realize that either. Like, I and I just always thought of him as a manager, but that makes sense that he was a wrestler as well. So I'll report back if I read the book, but I, I looked into it and apparently it's a pretty good one. It's up there on wrestling books. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, he comes out to plug the book. The air gets the crowd the applause for him. Uh, he asks him how old he is, and Freddie Blassie says he's 23. And uh, Eric says that hopefully he's around for at least three minutes. And here comes three-minute warning. They start to look over him like they're going to give him the, uh, the three-minute warning treatment that we saw six months ago. But Austin comes out to make the save and uh, announces that he's going to be reinstating the Dudleys. Uh, so we're getting the return of the return of the Dudleys, if you're keeping track at home while you're uh, in your notes. Uh, even in Philly, I thought this was a pretty muted pop. I mean, they got a little bit of a pop, but I didn't find I mean, for the, it just shows you where that, like how stale they are. Like even in Philadelphia, I felt like the crowd was really not. And like Austin having him, they're coming to like save Freddie Blassie. I felt like it was a pretty muted pop. Maybe it's just me like being cynical. No, no, you are a hundred percent right. Um, I said lack of pop is telling because it's fucking Philly. Um, you know, when they started fighting with three minute warning, that's when we got the loud we want tables chant. But like that's what they were just seen for. It's like you know. It's like they were, you know, they weren't the best wrestlers ever, but, you know, it's like they just want the tables. It's like, we don't care if you come out. Right. And to me, this was like a spot where I was starting to think, like, it's making me worry. Like, if everybody is like a pawn of Eric or Stone Cold, it kind of devalues. It makes everybody seem less credible. Like the Dudleys here. I mean, the Dudleys have their own issues, but, you know, they just kind of seem like they're Austin's, like... Like, they're coming out to this because Austin told them to. And to me, it makes it seem like they don't have their own, like, you know, like, they're not their own guys. They're just here because Austin said it. Well, yeah, and they were, like, the dumb pawns where it's like, if you don't do this for me, you're not going to have a job. It's like, relax, my dude. Like, Right, it makes it seem like they're on the level of three-minute warning, which is not what you want to be. Because three-minute warning seem like Eric's lackeys, and then they come out for Austin. So it's like, they don't come off, like... I don't know. It's just something I think that could hurt, especially when they're already kind of struggling. Like the Dudleys are already kind of floundering. I don't know if this is really going to help. Like I get they're like, oh yeah, but Austin's like over, so I'll give them a rub. But I think in a way that can kind of hurt them. So, um, but they um, they clear three minute warning out. They put Rico through the table. You get Blassie getting the mic and saying, "Get the tables," which gets a big pop. They do a beer. Very bath. cool. I will say that yeah. is very cool. Him saying, "Get the tables." Yeah, the Blasty stuff is, like, the highlight of all this. Like, him saying he's 23. Like, just him getting a few, like, you know, like he's still a wily old man. was pretty fun. But they do a beer bath. And, uh, you know, I thought overall it's, like, I think it at least resets the Dudleys from all the awful Morley stuff and, like, sets them back up. But now they seem watered down because they did do all that. And as far as, like, getting Blasty on the show to plug his book, I guess there's worse ways to do it. So, I mean, it was fine in that respect. Yeah, and with the Sean Morley, quote-unquote, being fired, hopefully we don't have to go back to that feud. Correct. So, to me, it was like them saying, like, all right, the Dudleys are back. Stone Cold reinstated them. We're just going to forget about all that bullshit from the last couple months that sucked. So, let's just do yeah. that. All right. All right, but with that, uh, Schiff, we are already at our, I guess, mid-show main event, which has been hyped since – you know, this has kind of been ongoing for a few weeks. It's going to be Goldberg versus Christian in the cage. 
Christian comes down. He has a chair, so I guess he's trying to look for his equalizer. He gets in the mic and says that this is the same uh, chair that The Rock beat up Goldberg with because, you know, he's pushing that The Rock is like his his idol and like his mentor or whatever. Um, Goldberg comes in uh, with some measured shots to start off. He kind of gets he gets a little bit of a Goldberg entrance. Uh, Christian turns the tide with a low blow. He starts beating Goldberg with the chair. Typical basic heel offense from Christian per usual. Chokes on the ropes, stomps, really doesn't get any more brutal despite it being in a cage. Uh, he tries to get out and gets pulled back in by Goldberg. Crowd pretty tepid on this so far, Like despite it being a cage match. They were not popping as if they wanted to see Christian get his ass beat. They were just kind of like when Goldberg would hit him. You know, he throws him into the cage a few times. The crowd reacts to that. Christian gets a pretty – I got to give it to this. He had a pretty good blade job. He was bleeding pretty good on this one. Oh, it was an awesome blade job. So he's very wounded. He gets up in the corner, slowly but surely turns around. Eats a savage spear, jackhammer, one, two, three. So, um, and that's it. So Goldberg, I thought looked pretty dominant, but I didn't find this match had a whole lot of heat. It didn't, which I feel like you need in this. Like you need the crowd to be bloodthirsty to see Christian's dumbass get destroyed by Goldberg, and just it really wasn't there for me. That match wasn't much. I mean, it was just kind of Goldberg dissecting him until the end, where he just puts him puts him down, and Christian didn't do anything real interesting or seem like a threat at all. So I ended up going gentlemen's two on it. It's just odd to me. Like I, so you're just this to me seems like this is over. So you're just not gonna have Goldberg on the pay per view. Like especially what we'll talk about with this card shaking out to be. It seems like an odd decision. I don't know why you wouldn't find a way. I mean, even if this isn't basically the same match, you think, it seems like you want to get it on the pay per view. I don't know, but I, I went two on it. Yeah, um, I don't. This was basically just a squash, Jake. I mean, I will say, like, mm-hmm. the blade job was nice, but, like, you spend all this time doing Christian. I wasn't expecting him to beat Goldberg, but I like to see some. Like, he started, like, with a chair, and Goldberg just beats him down. And, like, you know, he only he gets a kick in the nuts, and, like, then he starts wearing out Goldberg with the chair. So I will say that. But then, like, instead of climbing out through the door, he just starts climbing up, and it's like, what are you doing? I will say, like, Christian took a nice bump when Goldberg threw him down from the camp, like, when he was climbing from the canvas. That, like, was pretty sick. Um, but Christian trying his own spear made me laugh because I thought his spear that he does later in his career was not good at all. Um, and then, like, Goldberg just throws him around like like he's nothing. And I love how he said he was going to cut his ass in half when he did the spear and he actually does. And he hits the jackhammer, which was impressive because he held it up for a little bit and uh, it was over. I actually went two and two, two and a quarter for this. My apologies. I said two and two halves, which didn't make any sense. <laughs> two and a half of a half. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it just shows like, I don't know if they know how to do uh, And I don't think like forcing Goldberg to this, but if Christian's not going to be a threat, which he hasn't been built up, he's been built up as like a little shithead that's just like antagonizing Goldberg and like, you know, being a little shitbird heel. So to me, just don't even let Christian get offense. I think it comes off so much better if you just have Goldberg in there and just cut out Christian doing a stupid lame offense and just have Goldberg in there and they'll learn this in about, you know, whatever, 15 years that this is how you do it with Goldberg. Have him go in there. Like beat Christian's ass, throw him into the cage fifteen times, bloody Christian, and then Jack, you know, spear him, jackhammer him, done in three minutes. Like just go in there and like brutalize this dude and show like Goldberg's not here to play. Like if somebody, some little dickhead's gonna mess with him, like he's a beast and he's just gonna go in there and like murder him. 
But instead, they kind of go in there and do like a semi. It's like kind of a squash, but then it's kind of like Christian gets a little bit in there. Like, to me, I just don't get the point. Just if you're going to do this, I mean, he's pretty much destroying Christian. It would just go full bore. Like, let him just completely decimate him. Like, I feel like the crowd is way more into it if he just goes in there as a murders him. So I just don't get the why you lay this out like that. It just shows to me like they still they haven't figured out how you work Goldberg or they don't want to. And they're just trying to force uh, a square peg in a round hole. I I think it's a square peg in the round hole thing, actually, as as you'll see, as his one year run plays out. Right. Like they're like, you got to do it. This is the way we do things and you got to do it. Yeah. So anyway, wasn't offensive, but I feel like it could have been a little bit more. All right. All right, we head to Ric Flair. He's there to try and cozy up to Austin, uh, you know, make things better for his boy Triple H. But uh, as he's talking to him, Hurricane flies in. He says that he's going to actually make him, instead of Triple H, he's going to be Triple Biatch. Uh, Flair goes off on him. <laughs> Flair, like, just loses it. He starts ranting at him. Like, his blood pressure, like, doubled as soon as he started going. Like, um, So Austin says, you know, like, if y'all was going to sit and argue, why not make a match? Flair takes a cheap shot at that news. Uh and they kind of start in the backstage and just work their way to the ring and start the match. Flair's in his slacks. He's in a, you know, his dress clothes here. And, uh, like, I don't know if dream match is the right word, but uh, it's like a fun pairing. Like, I don't know if anybody yes. calls it a dream match, but it's like a good random pairing of guys. It's something I didn't know I wanted until it happened. And the whole backstage segment, like I even messaged like you on this. I was like, I forgot how much fun 2003 Hurricane is. Um, like the triple biatch thing like took me out. And then like I love Austin saying, well, we're going to have a match and starting backstage, which is something new. And, you know, because this has been a pretty pedestrian raw and this is my highlight so far. Yeah, and it's got, like, the chaos of them starting backstage and the, like, flares in his dress clothes. So they start off and, like, Hurricane immediately starts ripping his pants. I don't know what these pants are made of. Like, they're made of, like, a, like, a, like onion skin because these pants, like, just shred immediately. Um, we get uh, Flair's pancake ass exposed for a minute. So it's just, um, to your point, for, like, a lot of these Raw suffer from being, like, very blah even when they're not bad they're like not exciting it doesn't feel like a whole lot you know it doesn't feel spontaneous so this felt at least like it had some energy like it's got flair with his ass hanging out he's bumping around for hurricane hurricane hits him with a cross body um i like flair like he gets one punch and immediately starts strutting and it backfires <laughs> on him he eats a choke slam uh hurricane gets the shining wizard but Flair is crafty. He has the chop block, uh, hobbles the hurricane, and eventually gets him in the figure four and taps him out. So, yeah, I like the energy. I like the chaos of this one. Um, I, I didn't mind Flair winning because I feel like it's them trying to show you, like, even though Flair is in this manager role, like, he's still a threat. Like, he can get in the ring and, like, beat someone, you know, even if he's not, like, a main event player. Like, he's still a threat in the ring. It kind of, I guess, legitimizes him as a manager that he can get physically involved. And it was just like a fun match. I went two and a half on it. It was a fun little package. Yeah, uh, I just love him battling backstage and then into the ring. Like, And then before they get to the ring, Flair hits her, throws Hurricane into the announcers, and Jerry calls him an idiot for being hit. And I don't know why. It just made me laugh. Like, he should be mad at Flair for throwing Hurricane at him, but he's mad at Hurricane for running into him. Uh, we got Flair's bare ass being out because of the ripped trousers. Um, but I love, like, when Hurricane was going for the chokeslam, Flair got the poke in the eyes. And Hurricane then tried it again. Um, 
and couldn't get it. But the third time he finally did get it, I did like the, you know, the her slam. I'm pretty sure that's what they called it. At least that's what they called it in the video games. The shining <laughs> wizard was awesome. Um, Flair getting to put on the ropes. And like you said, we see that Flair is crafty because people might have forgotten. Or, you know, the way WWF thinks, WWE thinks that no one knows who Ric Flair is. Because they didn't watch WCW and WA, which that may be true from some fans. So you got to like show like, hey, he may be a lackey, but this man can hold his own. So that's why I went two and three quarters. Yeah, I think the whole thing and you had Triple H coming at the end. He adds a pedigree just to like show his face, of course. But yeah, but but after <laughs> Triple H pedigrees, Flair just kicks Hurricane in the head again for no reason. Yeah, it's like all these little things. Yeah, it's a lot <laughs> of it. I didn't mind this because it had some energy. It had some personality to it. It was entertaining. And it's not kids said about everything on Raw. Right? Like, it, to me, it had like more energy than the cage match that had the three-week build. It really did. It was, yeah. It was like, what are you doing? All right. We roll along. We have a lot of resistance here with uh, their pal Chris Nowinski, the, uh, you know, the anti-war Harvard graduate. Um, they start trolling the crowd, asking if they found those WMDs in Iraq. Um, and they said, where will you look next? Syria? Uh, so just trolling <laughs> the fans with that. And then we move into our six-man match, which is going to be uh, Tess and Steiner and then Goldust. <laughs> so Goldust always there to protect America's honor. Canadian Stampede, he was there. Uh, <laughs> he's in this random match. And so we have a six-man between. Uh, go ahead. I said, I wow, they drug up gold dust for this. I forgot he was on the roster at this point. Right, ever since Pimp Buck Dust dissolved and uh, he got el- he got electrocuted, <laughs> things have not been the same. Anyway, so they're against La Resistance and Chris Nowinski. Um, it's all Team America to start. Just um, feed, um, giving it to the heels. Um, I thought there's some decent offense from them. They're working a good pace. I think Goldust is a good guy to throw in there because he obviously knows how to hit a spots in a tag match like this. Um, Nowinski finally takes over. He gets an arm bar on Tess. Um, he tries to mock Steiner doing the uh, Steiner kiss the elbow to the elbow drop, but uh, uh, he misses that and Steiner tags in and starts hitting his normal uh, barrage of suplays there. Everybody's running in now. Um, I thought they were hitting their spots pretty good, though. This flowed pretty well for what it was and who was involved. Um, uh, but they hit Steiner hits the reverse DDT on Nowinski, and we head out. So I thought this was fine for like a three-minute match. It's weird to put – odd to put La Resistance in here. I mean, I know they didn't need to pin or anything, but kind of doesn't make them seem too threatening at this point. I went to – it was a perfectly fine, adequate tag match, but I don't feel like it accomplished a whole lot. Yeah, um, this was this was nothing. I will say I like the mashup of Scott and Tess music, which did the sirens and then like Tess music. Um, so that, that was pretty nice. Uh, yeah, uh, Jerry said he'll always be indebted to the French for the French kiss. Pervert Jerry back again. Uh, I will say so that force so forced. Yeah, uh, Scott was beating these guys like they were jobbers in 1992. Like, uh, he threw uh, Nowinski on his head, and JR goes, oh, maybe we should stop doing that move. Like, straight up says it during the match. Because Nowinski landed on his head. He's like, I don't know how many more times Scott should do that. So it was like, Jesus. One thing that I did not have any recollection of is, uh, like, Scott's not using Steiner Recliner. He's using Scorpion Death Drop. 
yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, like the reverse DDT, yeah. Yeah, so like I don't know if they have like the move for it, like you know they should maybe call it can't, like, the, It's easier for him to not squat and put pressure on his lower back, maybe. Yeah, they should call it like the steroid test or something, and it even works <laughs> with test. Um, and I loved how like they said like test was still mad when like Stacy, you know, held Scott's hand, so they still like pushed that storyline ever so slightly. Oh my god! If they had Russo still, they would definitely would have called it like the performance enhancement drop or some oh, bullshit like that. The, perfor- <laughs> the performance enhancement that have been the name of it. That's good, Jake. There you go. Let's get his Vince Russo. No, you're but better yeah. than that hack. Anyway, but like you said, those, it was kind of nothing. It's just to get these guys all out there. But all right, now we run down the uh, the Raw pay per view lineup. So this is what we got on the Raw side to look forward to at the pay per view on Judgment Day. We got the Battle Royal for the Intercontinental Title. So. Everyone, everybody always loves a non-Royal Rumble Battle Royal. Uh, uh, we have Steiner and Tess versus uh, La Resistance. We have this just announced, like literally now, the women's Fatal 4-Way. It's going to be, you know, the three main members of the uh, women's roster, Trish, uh, Trish, Victoria, and uh, Jazz. And then they're going to throw Jackie in there to make it a, a four-person. So obviously they put a lot of thought into that. And then, of course, we have Nash and Triple H um, for the world title. So that's your raw side right there. Uh, Jake, you know, we're both uh, betting men. Uh, I'm going to put all my money that Jacqueline takes the pin. <laughs> Seems like it. I feel like our odds are not that. Or if you want, you, know, you could probably get some good plus money on, on Jackie. I'm guessing this match. Yeah. So get on DraftKings in 2003. Place your bets. <laughs> Oh, I 100% would have. So, and then we even get Taz and Cole via satellite to hype up what's going on on uh, SmackDown. Well, we'll talk about the SmackDown side when we get to it, but they, they mainly just hype like Mr. McMahon. Like, Mr. McMahon has some wild in store. <laughs> it, God, it is so, like, this shows how much, like, they're killing time when they have, like, both of them. Um, so, I noticed two things with the Raw stuff. Uh, they said that HBK was in the IC Battle Royal, which will come out to play uh, in the main event. They also said that Tess is pulling double duty. Did you catch that? No, I didn't. But I guess is, is Tess a former Intercontinental Champion? Is he going to no be no recollection? In the... But he's in the he's in the, uh, the 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 picture. I need Logan to be like on the old PTIs. He'd be like uh, yeah, Stat Boy, Stat Boy, because Logan can like he knows the show off the top of his head. Um, I'll, I'll let's see if he was ever hang with us, people. We'll, yes. I'll, I'll get you this. He was, he was, he was one time intercontinental champion. So there you go. Don't remember how or when, but probably like in 1999. I think he was in the invasion or something. Who knows? But so he, uh, there you go. So yeah, so I guess he's in the battle royal. All right. Okay, we had to Chris Jericho. He's preparing for his battle with Kevin Nash. He speaks to Terry. He denies trying to run down Goldberg. I think he says some along the lines, if it were me, I would have taken him out. Uh, <clears throat> says Nash is not going to run through him. And then at uh, once again, he will be uh, the Intercontinental Champion at Judgment Day because he is the highlight of the night. And I, uh, uh, he says, Big Daddy Cool, I am your daddy. So I'm pretty fired up. Pretty good uh, Jericho promo there. Yeah, I like the Big Daddy Cools of right now I'm your daddy line. Um, 
Yeah, and it's weird that I don't remember where this goes, but they seem to think it's Chris Jericho from the jump uh, with the running down of Goldberg. I haven't heard any other names besides uh, him and Goldberg thinking it's Christian. Right, which is Goldberg. I mean, like, I'm not sure why they think it would be Jericho, but anyway, we'll let that mystery play out. I'm sure they have a very long, intricate build plan for us. Oh, wow. Yes. All right, we get our um, the women being slotted in the co-main event slot here. Uh, we have Trish versus Victoria in a hardcore match. Uh, so Victoria has Stevie, so she's got an ECW alum with her. So Trish, uh, of course, they try out Dreamer here to try and get the cheap pop from the Philadelphia fans. Uh, looking like a goob as always. They quickly go for the uh, weapons. They have a trash can lid. Trish kicks it into Victoria's face. That was a little rough. I don't think she connected on it super well in that. Um, Victoria comes back and hits a sidewalk slam on a chair. Trish uh, matrixes away from the trash can. Um, But then uh, Trish takes a big shot uh, on the electric chair drop. I thought that was pretty good. Cracks in the face pretty good. Uh, Chokes Trish with the belt. Trish gets to Rana. They get a kendo stick. Trish wallops her and then wins it with the uh, strategy faction. So I think I felt like them trying to get all the weapon spots in there, like just in a few minutes. Uh, but I thought it was fine for TV. There was a decent amount of intensity, but it definitely was not on the level of uh, their street fight from Survivor Series. So I ended up going two and a quarter. Yeah, we're way off on this. I thought this was sloppy as hell. Uh, I want a star and a quarter, Jake. Yeah. Like she tried, like Trish tried to kick Victoria at one point and just fell down, like on her ass. Um, they were using like a servant plate and they were using it as a weapon, and I, I just saw CTE and brain matter shooting everywhere. Um, yeah, and like Trish like did like a move in the corner, and Victoria landed right on her head, and then like you know we got the dreamer spot with the kendo stick, and like Trish hit stress match, and like I just thought it was a bad match. They shouldn't have. Like, but like you said, they had to pander to Philly for having a hardcore match, and for some reason they chose these people when when they should have chose Jericho versus Nash for the no DQ match. To be completely honest, yeah, you're right. I get it. I, I felt like maybe they're trying to recapture that Survivor Series match, but agree, it was very sloppy. I just thought I felt like they at least made up for the sloppiness with like uh, again. I don't think it was gang. It was amazing or anything, but I thought they at least had some energy. But yeah, I think. To your point, I think maybe it was – I felt like they were trying to fit so much into, like, this three-minute match that they were kind of rushing, and maybe that's why some of the stuff looked kind of janky for sure. Yeah, it was definitely – but I'm just like, oh, my goodness. Like, it was bad. Yeah, they're, they're – I feel like even more than when I first started the pod, I feel like they're giving the women stuff pretty – like, really putting it on the back burner, like, mailing in with this, like, making it a four-way and then – throwing this out there but anyway all right well with that we're already at our main event it's gonna be jericho versus nash uh uh presumably Jericho's gonna try and take out nash for triple h in a terror squad so he can skyrocket his career <laughs> uh nash has the uh the diesel gear on here jericho tries to jump at the beginning and that fails nash has the early advantage he does his nash offense which is you know big boots uh you know, the uh, the knee in the corner. Jericho tries to attack the legs. So the tried and true psychology of the big man going, uh, uh, the little man going after the big man, side slam by Nash. The crowd just not getting any reaction. Nash, unfortunately, is just not over with the crowd right now. They just don't really care. Um, Def- definitely a relic, sadly. 
Yeah, it's just the return is just not really going over well. Um, Jericho, very Brett like heart, uh, Brett Hart like attack on the legs here. He's like do he's like kind of falling onto the leg, trying to work it over. Pretty good stuff, but Nash catches him, slams him again. This was a side slam city. He was just catching Jericho every five seconds, hitting him with a side slam. Jericho fires up with a nice bulldog to a line salt. Uh, Nash is a little out of position on the line salt, but Jericho kind of worked. Uh, he did the thing where he stretched your knees out so you could at least connect with the knees. Nash kicks out of that. He recovers, sets up for the jackknife, but here comes Triple H to run in with Flair. Um, Earl, I think it was Earl, not calling the DQ for whatever reason, like despite the blatant interference. He's like, just letting them go. Yeah, uh, just let sure. him fight. Yeah, it's a ref's discretion, uh, Chef. Okay. Uh, but HBK comes in to make the save, cleans house, but Jericho knocks him down. Nash recovers, hits the big boot on Jericho. Uh, HBK hits the super kick to Flair, jackknife to Jericho, and HBK counts the pin. So um, Triple H can, comes in after the fact, but Nash catches him and power bombs Triple H. So it kind of tells you what his chances are at the pay per view. But yeah, I. I think Jericho brought his game to this. Like I thought Jericho was pretty good and worked for what they were giving him. But just like Goldberg, I just feel like Nash is getting no heat, even worse than Goldberg. Honestly, the crowd is really dead on him. He's just getting no reaction from them. So like the match just didn't come off well. Like it wasn't bad, and I'm going two and a half on it. It was just okay. I thought Jericho worked really hard on it, but the whole I feel like the whole post match angle, like they kind of come alive for HBK, but. Nash by himself, I feel like he's just getting nothing from the crowd. Yeah, um, so I'm going to get to the Shawn Michaels thing in a minute. Um, I went two and three quarters on this. I actually kind of enjoyed this match a whole lot more than I thought. Um, I'm just going to start from the beginning. Uh, King actually says that HBK is not in the IC title battle royal, but it would be in Nash's corner. Um, I like Jericho trying to work the leg and like his thigh to you know tear, quote unquote, tear the quad. Uh, Jericho's bumping was amazing. Like he was bumping like Ziggler, like even off of a knee lift that Nash did. Uh, so like, it's trying to show like the power, how powerful Nash is. I will give it to Jericho on that. Then we see a chop block and Jericho starting to work the leg. And then Nash hits like three sidewalk slams in a row. Um, Jericho hit the lion salt and actually got a two, which I thought was pre- pretty nice. Um, the snake eyes on triple H, you know, I don't, it's going to be a little rough to watch that main event match because it's obvious Nash's better days are behind him. Um, I like the HBK and Nash pose. It was straight out of like 1995 WWF, but I'll, I'm here for it. Um, it was a nice little updated image, like, you know, where Nash is doing like, you know, his um, big daddy cool pose and HBK is hitting his pose. And then, you know, we see Triple H taken down. So that means Triple H is winning at the, at the pay-per-view if you've never watched wrestling before. But um, do you think they, like we've, and I've watched three Raws now, Jake. I've only seen HBK on my screen for maybe mm-hmm. five minutes. Yeah, it feels very shoehorned in at the last second because they really haven't made him a part of the feud. And, like, and honestly, he had like the phone call to tell like Triple H, like to tell Nash he was here. But like, do you think they're keeping him away so like HBK doesn't like out pop Nash? Very possible because I mean he does here. He definitely does in this. When he comes out here, I mean, he's coming to make a save, so I guess that's part of it. But yeah, it's it's very possible. But I I feel like they want him to be there because then they can, it'll I guess get that make it seem like the crowd's more into Nash. But they also haven't integrated him into this at all. Like this is literally the pay per views happening. Like we're there, 
And he, yeah. they're just kind of like you said earlier in the, sh- like they've said before, he's in the the battle royal, but now he's part of this. Like, it's, it all just seems kind of thrown together. And like this whole feud with Nash and Triple H, it's so weird because they really even haven't done a lot to like build it around them being friends. Like they didn't go like the HBK, um, and maybe that's why because they knew it would just feel like a great value version of the HBK Triple H feud from SummerSlam. So maybe they did that on purpose because it wouldn't. You know, they kind of already did that and it wouldn't come off as well, but they haven't really used any of their relationship in real life as part of the feud. It's just been them kind of like brawling with each other and yelling. Yeah, you used to be my friend. Oh, but the 99% of the crowd didn't know that because they never interacted before in WWF TV, except the curtain call, which not I don't even think, you know, some people might have known about it in 2003, but not that many people did. It's just like, it's something like, we would see like TNA and AEW use, which WWE is like, oh, the dirt sheets know that everyone that reads the dirt sheets watch wrestling and know that Triple H and Kevin Nash are friends instead of like, you know, they could have built it around like the curtain call and be like, you left me after that. And like, you know, while you were taking over WCW, I was here, you know, just something like that. Something simple. Five, like, you know, instead of that walking, you know, the first week we saw Kevin Nash, like, act like he was doing his Michael Myers or Jason impersonation and Triple H was doing like the, the uh, cheerleader that was falling down as he's like chasing after him. Then we had like the worst fight ever where, I mean, where it did have its spots, but it was just slow and plodding and then ends with GTA, you know, um, Canada. I can't even remember the name of the town. I said it an hour ago. And now we have like this and it's just like, they're they're all over the place and like you know a bigger point is the guy who was one of the main events of wrestlemania gets announced for an ic battle royal and we don't even see him on the show tonight booker t yeah now i want to say maybe booker had like a a nagging injury or something right now and maybe that's why he's not around like no you know what already um he had like pneumonia or something that's okay like when i was going through the news i think he had pneumonia so I guess that's why I wasn't here, but, but to your point, it's a, yeah, it has not been a very hot feud. It's like, they have not done a whole lot to get me excited about triple H versus Kevin Nash. Even if they throw, you know, flair and Shawn Michaels in here, it's not doing a whole lot for me. Uh, so I don't, I don't watch yet. Spoiler alert for listeners and Jake, um, for judgment day. It's going to be a long 25 minute match. I'm just assuming it's 25 minutes. Yeah. You're probably wrong, but, uh, yeah. That wraps up this raw. It's real tepid. I ended up going three and a half on it. I just felt like I felt like this ride like no juice or and like the most energy it got was from Hurricane and Flair, which has nothing to do with really anything that's happening at the pay per view. Like I felt like all the stuff I'm supposed to be like, you know, the cage match cut felt kind of flat. The uh the main event's a little flat. Even if it was a decent match, it's just Nash is not over really with the crowd, so that was kind of flat. Just nothing at juice, and then you get the normal like bull crap in the middle, like you always get on Raw. So I was pretty down on it. Three and a half for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going straight three. Like like you said, the highlight was Hurricane and Flair. Which when Flair ran out, did you realize that his uh, pants? He he hadn't fixed his pants. They were still ripped. That's amazing. I didn't notice, but yes. I might I might already started mentally checking out as Raw got until the last three minutes or whatever <laughs> when this is happening. I was like, all right, they're going to come out, do the beatdown. HBK and Nash staying tall. All right, got it. Yeah, when the, M- when the MVPs of Raw are um, 
a Hurricane Flair Austin and classy Freddie Blassie just for his one-liners, not not a good Raw. Right. All right, so we'll move to SmackDown, which is in Baltimore, so another big city here. This will be the May 15th, 2003 episode of SmackDown, and we open the show with Vince, uh, something we did last week. He goes on about Mr. America. There's no doubt in his or anyone else's mind who Mr. America is. Mr. America doesn't have American values. He's deceitful. Um, So he gets an asshole chant for that from the crowd. Um, He also says that Mr. America doesn't care if he batters women, based on what he did to (laughs) Stephanie. Um, He shows footage of the incident. I I like him throwing him, too. He says, uh, he's like, no, Stephanie is partially responsible for bumbling. That was great. You could could tell he loved you, like – you can always tell when it's like a Vince thing that he thought up or something because like he obviously is keyed in on the word bumbling because he says like five times throughout the show when he talks about something, you know, you didn't bumble this, you bumbled it. Like he must love that word in this situation. It was his word of the day on his day calendar. Right. Well, what other might we have some other words too. Um, so he says he's giving an open contract to anyone to take ho- to take out Hogan at the pay-per-view. But they have, they have to promise to castrate him and beat him into a pool of his own feces. So, I like the idea of it being in the con, in, in the contract. Like you know, you're gonna get the lawyers involved. It's like, all right, so uh, make sure you're aware of the castration clause in this contract here. Uh, feces. So uh, yes, this was uh, my 14th birthday, Jake. Um, of the day of the SmackDown, wow. I was not watching it on this day, but um, it felt it felt great, like just to see, like you know, got to castrate Mister America in the contract and beat him down to his own feces. Just just an amazing start, Vince. As much as I'm aligned him earlier, like he's so entertaining. I just don't really want to see Hogan, <laughs> especially what yeah, happens tonight. Yeah, it's too much. And again, that's why I wish they could find a way to make this just like a. Not dominate the show so much because it's fine. I like seeing Vince come out here and say crazy shit about castrating and beating in the feces, and you know, that's fun. But just it going on and on is like my thing. But um, so who else but the FBI come? Because I mean, obviously they're open to a contract to beat someone up, um, and they say that they're not the uh, not the FBI that he beat in the court of law. So trying to kiss Vince's <laughs> ass. Um, so. Uh, I like the uh, I like he does a big stamp when he says uh, that they're gonna whack him, uh, like they'll whack him, uh, and they said they'll be on Hogan like baked on ZD. That was a great line, and like they look at Stamboli like he's moron, and like like the whacking people video, Jake. Um, felt like it was like the wasted oh, yeah. on Grand Theft Auto. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's whacked. Yeah, that's true. The hype reel. That's what it was. The hype reel. <sighs> And I, I messaged wow. you. I messaged you less after I watched this clip. Um, I said, Jake, my brain may be broken. I think I'm an FBI 2003 FBI fan because uh, they're always they've been so entertaining to me on my little uh, three week run here, and I'm interested to see what what happens. It's amazing what watching us will do. Just, yeah, anything you can, anything you can latch on. Um, <laughs> and I've latched like on Vince's- to the 2003 FBI. I like Vince's like please expression when they start saying what they'll they'll really do like we'll be on like baked on ZD and Vince starts giving that little grin like oh okay I like what you're saying here like and then he tells him he wants to discuss this in the back so um, over cappuccinos right I do like that at least someone else is getting involved in this that it's not just like Hogan and Vince and Stephanie 
Um, and I at least like that it got into the absurdity. Again, still know that this is going to dominate the show. We're going to get into some other issues later, but I didn't mind this opening. You get somebody else involved. Maybe the FBI gets something out of this, and uh, you get Vince saying crazy shit like castrating people. So, acceptable. But then it leads to this match, Jake. Ugh. All right. So, yeah, that kind of was what it was. And then we go into the FBI because Rikishi comes down because he's going to be facing Chuck Palumbo here. Uh, we got Big Keish is whipping him from corner to corner. Um, uh, Johnny the Bull grabs Rikishi's foot, which allows Palumbo to gain advantage. Uh, right back, uh, Rikishi right back at it with the. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I stopped for a second. My my notes must have autocorrect. For some reason, I usually put Rikishi as Keish in my notes, like K I S H. That's some, what. It, uh, that's what I are you using your iPhone because that's what the iPhone did for me. My all my notes said Kishi. Well, what mine did for some I don't know what I did on this one, but it changed it to Josh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Josh comes right back with the Samoa and drops, uh, gets uh, Palumbo in the stink face position. Giant the bull blocks it, um, but he gets thrown in the ring by Rikishi. Um, and uh, but Rikishi spends too much time dealing with Johnny the Bull, and that allows Palumbo to lay him out with a super kick and then pick up the win. So, star and a half, uh, just to get over, I guess, that the FBI have strength in numbers, and I guess so we have a match. I, I can't, <laughs> I don't know what other reason they have for this match, but they jump Rikishi post match, and then uh, we see that Brock is here for uh, revenge. But uh, any thoughts on this, uh, this groundbreaking match? Shift. Man, Rikishi is so much like SmackDown Bubba Ray. Like I, I see him on the screen, and I'm like, "Don't come back until the Usos are back, Rikishi." Like I want nothing to do with you. Um, you know, and like they had spent this time making like the FBI like look like, you know, sort of like Goose, but also like they have taken out some pretty big names. Like they took out Nathan Jones, sent his ass packing back to OVW. They took out Undertaker, which we haven't seen since. And, you know, they got over on Brock Lesnar by locking him in the room last week. So, but then, like, you know, Palumbo can't put away Rikishi by himself, and it's just frustrating. Like, like you said, this was literally all Rikishi, like, just whooping Chuck Palumbo's ass from pillar to post, pretty much. And Johnny Stamboli, like, bailing him out. And, like, you know, Palumbo actually did hit a nice super kick, and it was over. So you see, like, oh, maybe there might be something with Chuck Palumbo, like what WCW saw afterwards. And... Uh, do you want to talk about the post match now? Yeah, we can get into it. So they uh, they jump Rikishi. Brock's here to get his revenge on the FBI. Stephanie catches up with Brock and says that uh, you know the FBI deserve what he's going to do to him, and she wants to see what kind of brutality he has, and uh, wants to see that brutality uh, at Judgment Day, and uh, just kind of like he smiles about what he you know about this, and they like they're just trying to put over the brutality of the stretcher match, and the FBI are kind of like the uh, the bums that are, you know, there to be fed the Brock. Yeah, which I'm okay with because it's Brock, the world champion. And this is the kind of babyface Brock I want to see, the one that just comes out, whoops ass, and immediately leaves. Like, because, like, that F5 on Palumbo was nice because Palumbo's a pretty big boy. And because I don't need, like, Brock, like, taking up for Rey Mysterio. Like, Rey Mysterio was his little brother, got his ass beat by the three kids in the neighborhood, and Brock's the bigger <laughs> brother. So... You know, I just need him, like, come in there, beat the piss out of people and leave. Because we all know Brock's not really known for his talking. So, like, don't make him talk. 
Agreed. Yeah, I agree. This was fine. It was just, you know, and Steph's trying to get over the brutality. Um, it was weird. It was almost like she was playing, like, the Paul Heyman role because he doesn't have a manager. But, like, she's kind of saying what Paul would say when she was his manager, which is interesting. So, that was actually a very good point I haven't thought of, yes. I like, again, so then it gets the mic out of Brock's hands also. All right. All right. We got Mr. America visiting the troops. And then uh, we we find out that Tori is here to give us a preview of the bikini contest that's going to be a Judgment Day, her and Sable. And uh, she exposed her bikini. I mean, she looks good. Story. She's got big old boobs. Uh, on Sunday, she'll be wearing something more revealing. And uh, they cut to a Tori's hot sign, which is kind of funny. That was a planned sign, right? Like, do you really think so? I mean, Tori is very attractive and is hot. But, like, there's no way in hell someone made that sign. Like, I was 14 years old, and I, you know, I was not making a sign for Tori. Right, or at least they would do something more creative. Tori's hot. Who yeah. knows? Surprised you're not going after Baltimore. Uh, <laughs> they suck. I mean, Orioles, what are we doing? The only good thing out of Baltimore is the wire. I hate the Ravens, too, <laughs> and Ray Lewis. There you go. They just had the coax out of you. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. But they're All such right. a snoozer. But crab cakes, can't can't really hate on those. There you go. At least you got something. Something positive, yeah. Sam Bob. All right. Stephanie finds some rose in her office. Uh, Vince pops in, says he knows she feels bad, again, for bumbling the whole thing last week. <laughs> uh, but he accepts her apology. Um, she says that the roses are actually from Hulk Hogan, but there are some other roses on the other cyber desk from Mr. America. Um, which is like the way she says is like, see, Dad, they're different people. It's like, does she think that that proves that they're different people? Like, I could send three sets of roses with three different aliases, all from me. And like, <laughs> like I don't know, this whole angle is bad. And I guess that's part of the goofiness of it. But like, it makes Steph seems like such an idiot. So she's like, "See, Dad, they both sent me roses. How can I get roses from if it was really Hulk Hogan? How could Mister America and Hulk Hogan send me roses?" And then Vince is pissed, and he destroys the flower. So just another chapter in the Mister America saga. Yeah, Vince has to be, like, losing his mind. He's like, am I the only one here taking crazy pills? Like, you know, the Will Ferrell from uh, Zoolander thing. Because that's how he has to feel. It's like, really? like, And, like, going back, like, uh, there was a part where Mr. America visited the soldiers from Walter Reed. Like, you know, for the troops that had been hurt. It's like, imagine, like, I got to meet Hulk Hogan today. For some reason, he had a fucking mask on. (laughs) Yeah, they probably let him, like, I would hope they let him, like, take it off. Keep it, brother. (laughs) Like, this is a Mr. America I heard about. This can't miss prospect that it's not Hulk Hogan in any way. Ray Mysterio has returned, and uh, the fans are happy for him. So we'll hear from Ray uh, about his, you know, how he's doing. And uh, then we go to a cruiserweight match. It's going to be Matt Hardy versus Tajiri. Um, you knew his opponent was going to be Tajiri because all the Matt facts are Tajiri-based. We have Matt thinks Tajiri weighs too much to be a cruiser, which is kind of funny because, like, it's not so like... Matt. But here's the thing. It's like, it is a objective number. Like, there's no, like, he thinks. It's not like he thinks he weighs too much. Like, there's a cutoff. Like, we went through, it's like, he's just like... It's not a matter of opinion whether he weighs too much. It's like either he does or does not weigh too much. Uh, but he also says that Matt says that he can eat more sushi than Tajiri. So there you go. 
All right. Uh, Matt tries to use his power early on, but Tajiri reverses a slam. Uh, Shannon gets Matt another advantage. Uh, he's working the midsection of Tajiri with an ab stretch, but Tajiri escapes a splash mountain attempt uh, and lays into him with, you know, his patented Tajiri kicks. Uh, fast and furious action on this one. They worked a pretty good pace. Uh, Tajiri hit the, his uh, signature backspring, the tarantula. Um, I kind of loved, like, the, kind of the story of this match in this, you know, for four minute match, whatever story they had is that like, like Matt is constantly on his heels because Tajiri's just like a maniac. Like he doesn't know what to do because Tajiri's so wild and like difficult to get him down. But the one who actually saves him is the uh, the moron, the MF in training, and that is uh, <laughs> Crash Holly, who distracts and then Matt is able to hit a twist of fate and finally put Tajiri away. Not bad for a four minute uh, uh, cruiserweight match here. I thought the pace was real good. Tajiri's always fine. I like Matt kind of like being on his heels because Tajiri's like a madman. So I gave it a, a two and a half for me. Sure. Uh, yeah, same. I went, I went two and a half as well. Like uh, it was a, it was a fun match. Like I loved how uh, crash is still reading the book. I think he's still like, I think he's only on page three or four. Cause he's a moron. Uh, Taz says that like, Cole can't afford sushi. So he doesn't know what Matt Hardy's talking about, which I thought was very nice. Um, <laughs> I just love how crisp Tajiri is in the ring. Like he, that handspring elbow that he uh, hit, and then he took out Shayna Moore as well, and then the tarantula all within like 30 seconds of each other was just awesome. Matt was game to go on this as well. Um, uh, but like, you know, Matt has his, you know, his MFers, and it's just that's that's the difference right there. But like, I just I want to see more of this match. I, w- I would be okay with seeing like 14 minutes out at least to see what they have. Agree. Yeah, they should see like that should be on the pay per view. Just give them like ten minutes. Anyway, instead of some four way with Jacqueline. Instead, Matt says he's going to put his name in the ring for uh, to be the one that takes out Mister America. So so far we've had the FBI. Let's keep track of all the possibilities here. We got Matt Hardy put his name in. We have the FBI who put their name in. Um, but then Tajiri dives on, so he gets. A, just to send the crowd with a pop at the end of the segment to Jerry dives on all of the MFers in Matt Hardy. He also called the people of Baltimore Baltimoreans, which I can agree with. <laughs> um, all right, we cut to Eddie backstage. He's got a poncho on and sombrero on the uh, Kurt portrait. Um, and he says that he needs him. He needs Kurt in his corner, Holmes, and uh, that he, uh, he will have the pleasure tonight of supporting Eddie. And then he puts a big, thick mustache and soul patch on him, very Chavo-esque. Um, on the Kurt portrait, but uh, yeah, just this was awesome, Eddie. Just so much charisma here, like his delivery with everything, and put the mustache and all is real fun. He just, I don't know, he just has such an energy to him. It's like very infectious. I I, I agree, and I admittedly am not the. Um, this is gonna catch me some shit. I'm not the biggest Eddie fan. How everyone like, as we see, like every new uh, wrestler from this generation, it feels like are like, oh my god, Eddie Guerrero, like he was my favorite wrestler. I'm not there. He's great to watch, but seeing him like come into his own with this, Jake, especially when you've been, since you've been doing rap, has been amazing. Like, you know, my first one of my first episodes that I did with you was when he interfered, coming back and taking out RVD on Raw, and like, you know. And seeing him turn into this lie, cheat, and steal character, and like he, you really like when he's on the screen, you don't want to turn away. So mm-hmm. like, I'm 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 nice. I'm glad to be seeing that through like these eyes, because um, it makes me appreciate him so much more. Is basically what I'm getting to. And he also set, tells Kurt the picture of Kurt that Chavo got hurt overseas. So mm-hmm. thank you, Europe, for finally doing something for once. 
<laughs> Shifts after everyone. Now he's going to he's going to cross the pond. I'm worldwide like Pitbull. So, yeah. far so we'll see. Well, we'll see if this is going to affect Chavo for his um for the match at the pay per view. Yes. All right, Mr. America is here. Thankfully, uh, Steph thanks him for the flowers. Uh, she says to thank Hulk Hogan also for the flowers. And then she gives him a kiss on the cheek, which is kind of awkward. Not really sure what to think. Of it. I don't. I don't know what to think of it. Yeah, it was weird. Let's just go to the next match. Um, yes. All right, we have kind of a, a fun one on paper here. It's going to be a uh, Cena versus Benoit. Cena comes out, cuts a rap as he does. Uh, first, he uh, sets his sight on Mr. America, so seemingly puts his name in the ring as well. Somebody who might take up the contract to face Mr. America at Judgment Day. So throw him in there, but then he turns on Benoit. Um, says he'll cross his face with steel. Um, there's a line about wrapping him in bandages like Saudi Arabia. And then uh, I forget what he said something about his dick at the end. I don't remember, but it was a pretty good one. Uh, he says he can't skate, but he plays with his puck and stick. There you go. And I think he might then he said something about if you don't like it, you can I don't know, suck my dick or something like that. You get that. Yeah, yeah. All right, we get a tight lockup to start jockeying for position between these two. Um, Benoit starts laying the chops, pretty savage stuff. Uh, Taz brings up the line where he says that the ben- Benoit chops will. Uh, he's always talking about the oh, these chops are vicious; they'll numb the areola. <laughs> like <after laughs> going through like how it affects you. It's like you know you feel in the chest; it numbs the areola. Uh, but I thought both of them were pretty. I thought Cena, um, you know, was laying his stuff in here from two because both of them were pretty stiff in this match. Uh, Laying some pretty stiff strikes. Uh, Cena throws Benoit's shoulder at the post. That looked really good because Benoit obviously like throws himself into it. Um, so that looked good. And then Cena's after the all over the arm after that. Locks an arm bar. Um, throws Benoit into the post again. Uh, Benoit finally is able to take over. Hits a snap suplex. We see the FBI walk down. Um, they don't really do anything at this point. Cena works a modified chin lock with the arm cinch. I thought it was nice and was consistent with what he was doing the whole time. And uh, overall, I thought it was, um, I thought his arm work was pretty good. Um, all over it slams arm into the uh, turnbuckle, which I thought was a cool move. You don't see a whole lot. Just kind of flung Benoit's arm into the, uh, into the buckle. He hits a, uh, uh, drop kick, but a uh, desperation drop toll from Benoit, which kind of uh, changes the momentum. Now he unloads with the Germans, hits the flying head, but, but Nunzio uh, kind of gets on the apron, delays the pin, which allows Cena to recover and go for the FU. But while he's up there, Benoit pulls Cena down and uh, counters to the cross face. But Cena does not tap because the FBI run in for the DQ, um, start beating Benoit down. But here come Rhino and Spanky, uh, Brian Kendrick, to come and make the save for Benoit. But Cena does get a power bomb on Spanky uh, for good measure. So just kind of chaotic uh, finish to all this. Good stuff, though. I thought Cena was like focused and relentless. I thought he brought it up to Benoit's level and kind of wrestled Benoit's style really well, like just going balls to the wall. And uh, I thought the way they ended it felt pretty good because they didn't, you know, Cena doesn't tap, but Benoit kind of fought out because he's like the tough veteran and he had a nice reversal at the end. And I even thought the interference at the end was kind of like, I thought they made up for maybe a cheap finish by having the end be so chaotic with everybody running in and, you know, all these people being involved. Like, it didn't come off as, like, a kind of a blah, uh, just kind of generic run-in DQ because of all the chaos at the end. So I kind of like this whole thing. I dug this match. Definitely, um, you know, 
no spoilers, but my favorite match on either of these shows. I went three and a quarter on. I thought this was like a little, almost like a little hidden gem kind of match. Yeah, I will agree on the hidden gem part. I I, I went three on this. Um, I really loved uh, Cena uh, working the shoulder, and he worked it the whole match, and um, and it's it, it was just a lot of fun. Um, and like you said, like how he snapped the uh, the arm on the the shoulder on the turnbuckle was nice. You don't see that a lot. Cole actually did say this was the future of the WWE um, match right here. He hit that one right on the head, the nail right on the head with that, um, especially with Cena, because, like, you know, we're starting to see his ascension slowly. Um, and, like, Benoit, you know, worked nice. Like, I like that um, that revert, that uh, the German suplex he hit, and then, like, the diving headbutt was, like, very smooth and as you're supposed. And also, the, like, the chops, like, they were, from the beginning, like, Benoit was, like, chopping the shit out of Cena. Um, I like the counter of the FU to the crossface. That was very nice. And uh looks like I'm, I'm hoping this we get this at the pay-per-view. I don't know if it's announced or not with uh, a six-man of, like, you know, Chucky P and uh, Stamboli and Spank and, um, and Cena versus Benoit, Rhino, and Spanky. Because that's definitely what it felt like uh, after, at the end of this because it was nice and chaotic, which is – you know, like like I mentioned during Raw, they're trying to push all these characters at the same time, and they're trying to see what sticks and what doesn't. And it seems like more stuff on SmackDown is sticking. Right. This match was had that like uh, the SmackDown Six era energy to it, which I enjoyed. Like that Fall O two, uh, you know, just two guys who can go going out there, and like it had some energy to it. it. wasn't just like a good match, but there was energy to it. it had the chaotic finish and stuff. So. Yeah, I dug this. This was like a highlight of the show for me. So, all right, which will lead us to uh, something else, something totally different. All right, we had the Piper's Pit. Uh, Piper comes out, says so he doesn't want to suck up to McMahon. Uh, this is not to suck up to McMahon because he has always been consistent. He has always hated Hulk Hogan, and he wants Mister <laughs> America at Judgment Day. So now he's putting himself in the hat to face Mister America. Uh, Mister America comes out. Gives the flag to a fan in the crowd. Remember that. Uh, Piper cuts off the music, starts ranting at him. He says, Mr. America, uh, uh, says, uh, Mr. America says, uh, Piper hates Hogan because Hogan kicked his ass all over the country. Uh, and Mr. America will do the same. Piper uh, fires back at him that Hogan never beat him. And then Piper starts to go after, go at the fan. Mr. America defends his right, you know. This is America. He can wave that flag if he wants to. So kind of going for the jingoistic uh, to get the crowd behind him. Uh, so Piper sends uh, Sean Stasiak after him. So it kind of shows like how quickly this Sean Stasiak Piper thing. Like at first they were presenting it like Piper was going to be, you know, Sean Stasiak's like, you know, his manager trying to get him over and like immediately within a month. Now he's just like Piper's little <laughs> pitch boy, like immediately. Yep. So that's how that's going. Um, uh, Mr. America quickly takes out Piper. Stacey gets a chair and goes after Hogan. Um, the fan jumps the rail and comes to the rescue. Uh, they level him. Security tries to get the fan out. Piper attacks him and starts to try and pull him back into the ring. And the process shift, he pulls his leg off, his prosthetic leg. We see that the uh, uh, apparently he is an amputee. He's uh, missing this leg. Um, Piper and, and Stasiak are just confounded. They don't know what to do. So they just end up bailing. 
Um, I love, like, as they're leaving, you just hear this one random fan say, fuck you, asshole. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, quite a random turn for this whole thing that now we have this fan. I mean, obviously, I wasn't really a fan. And this is, uh, of course, going to end up going to be Zach Gowan, who I believe, I don't know if he was in OVW or if he's just wrestling on the indies, but I know he went as Tenacious Z in whatever um, wrestling he was doing before this. But so they're kind of putting him in here. Just a very random turn to just have this happen. And Yeah. What would you, you think of this, Chef? It, yeah. Um, like... You know, like like you said, Sean O'Hare is basically like you thought he was gonna be pushed to something, but no, he's I call Sean O'Hare, I called him Stasiak the entire time. It was not me. I'm sorry, I apologize. I don't know. Didn't why even I didn't even catch was, that because I was like Yeah, I was just in full on WCW uh, you know two thousand mode. Getting them getting them conflated. Sorry. Um sorry. This is not me. This was Sean O'Hare. My bad. Yeah, it's it's fine. Um <sighs> This is just like once he once he gave it to the fan, I even messaged you. I said, this is the episode, isn't it? And sure enough, um, you know, I do love everyone's reaction to this. Everyone's like, what the fuck just happened? Like back like it wasn't supposed to happen, which, which was a nice little saving point. Um, and I, I believe he was in TNA at this time, but they didn't have him for a contract, so he just like left. Um, but I really don't want to see Piper versus Hogan 2023, and that's sadly where we where we appear to be going with him throwing his hat in the race. Yes, we'll we'll confirm it in a minute, but yeah, it's it's oh, hard to oh, say too much. Hmm? Go ahead. Also, Piper grabs the wrong leg at first. <laughs> that's what he did. <laughs> It's like this one, this one won't come off. Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's just like it is weird because you throw this in there like right before the pay per view, like this guy, like there's not going to be any because we don't really get much of a resolution. Of it. I mean, we'll see a little bit later, but it's just it's a real random turn. Like you're just starting to feel like how is this shit all going to come together? It's absurd. Uh, yeah, I can't deal with it. Mr. America and his one-legged pal. <laughs> anyway. It's one-legged all right. fan. All right. We'll see the fall in just a second. So um, we'll go to our next match, which is going to be Shelton versus Eddie. Um, of course, Eddie brings out the angle portrait, which is awesome with the mustache and the sombrero. Um, and so uh, they mentioned the Chavo injury again. They do say that he is. Uh, so don't get your hopes up, Shift, because he is going to be in the ladder match, they say. That he still <sighs> plans to be. In that match. So we head backstage. We have Vince. Uh, before we get the match, we uh, we go to Vince, who's dressing down Piper and O'Hare here. Um, O'Hare denies, says he did nothing. It was all Piper. Vince Which I did like. This is lawsuit material. Um, I, it was so out of character for Piper to just sit here and, like, take a scolding from Vince. Like, I don't know if you it felt like it. Like in no, the, I what agree. Era, mm-hmm. I like agree. What era like, Piper would just let Vince like chew his ass like this? And we had just heard how he's like, I do things my way. And then Vince is like read him, reading him the riot act. And it's like, oh, all right, all right. Well, let's see what happens. Yeah. So that was weird. That didn't make sense. But uh, Vince says he's going to decide what to do. And uh, so I guess you're seeing some dissension here between O'Hare and, uh, 
and uh, like O'Hare saying his job's on the line, gets mad at Piper, saying that he can get fired and all this stuff. So, all right, we'll see where this continues. But yeah, just weird having Piper take an ass chewing. But so then we head to the match. The match is in progress. We see Eddie's in control. Um, Shelton takes over. He gets a modified chin lock. Eddie comes right back in with a nice Rana. Uh, but Shelton is right back on him again. Hits, uh, we get a step-up drop kick from Eddie. So Eddie's firing back, hits the rolling verticals. Here comes Charlie Haas out carrying the ladder to allude to the ladder match we're going to have uh, Sunday. Shelton lands him with a super kick and ends up pinning um, Eddie off of the distraction. Um, two talented guys. They went back and forth and hit a few good moves for a minute. But uh, this was a pretty – there was not really much time, and they kind of had in progress after the Vince stuff. Um, and then the finish was just like a paint by numbers, pretty basic distraction finish. Um, but they try and, uh, do the ladder clothesline on Eddie, but he drop kicks into both of them and then blast Shelton with the angle poster. So it kind of leaves the fans happy at the end of this. I ended up going too because what they did, um, um, you know, they get a, did a good job for like the two or three minutes that they had. Um, and I did enjoy Eddie at the end, kind of getting the fire and, uh, uh, drop kicking the ladder and doing the thing with the uh, the portrait. So I gave this a gentleman's two. Yeah, I went two and a quarter on this. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, like uh, Shelton had a nice power bomb uh, to Eddie, um, and like you said, I like how it was joined in progress. So like it took away from like maybe you thinking it was taped because it obviously was. But you know you know what I'm saying. Um, mm-hmm. And I love like how like Shelton grabbed to the tag rope and like Eddie was like choking Shelton with the tag rope. I thought that was very nice. It shows that like, Oh, I may be a baby face, but I'm still going to cheat. Uh, him hitting the three amigos was nice. Of course, Charlie distracting Eddie, but like the, it plays in the story of Chavo not being there. Cause Ch- Eddie didn't have his backup and the numbers game got him, but for a little bit because then Eddie Lynn, like, you know, takes, takes down uh, my notes, say tram angle instead of team angle. So, um, and then like the painting, which we see get, destroyed so i wonder if uh that means kurt angles on his way back we'll have to to see next week right we'll see if he uh we'll see if he makes a cameo at the pay-per-view all right but we we go back to vince uh he says that he knows piper has no remorse so he kind of like he here's the weird thing about the the character stuff is all over the place i mean i'm guessing they don't really know (laughs) because like the whole sean o'hara he had like 400 fucking vignettes about you know, do what you want. Like, you know, I don't, you know, I don't care about, you know, just do what makes you happy. And now Vince is like, no, I know you care. You have sympathy. And like, they play it off. Like he really does. Like he feels bad about what they did to Zach Gallon. Like that goes against all the shit they built with his character that he's supposed to be like the, you know, have no remorse, do whatever is good for you kind of guy. And then he says that Piper has to face Hogan. So Vince has decided that this is like the best option he has is like, fucking Piper with his pot belly to go out there and hobble around against Hogan when he had all these like young guns, like, you know, the FBI, he's got Cena, all these guys saying they'll do it for him. And then he picks Piper. Like, does he really think that that's his best shot of like getting like defeating Mr. America? I don't know. It's so, this is all so goofy. Like, again, it's just too much. Like it's fine. If it's just like a little thing with Vince saying, you know, crazy shit, but now we have this like intricate storyline with a man with one leg and now Piper's got to face Hogan. Nobody wants to see that in 2003. Just what are we doing? Yeah. And it's really funny that, um, you know, they called the, when it was Hogan versus Piper at Halloween havoc, I want to say 97, they called it age in the cage. Mm-hmm. 
making fun, and then six years later, they're putting it on pay-per-view. There we go. So that's right. So, again, that's who Vince thinks is. But then he's, like, How also making FBI a punishment. Yeah. That's right. I'm trying to push for 2003 FBI. <laughs> it's your boys. <laughs> they really bake your ZD. They really, they really do. Ugh. All right. Sable comes out to give us a preview. Try and match what Tori did. Kind of basically calls Tori fat. Says she's a little plumper on the waistline or whatever. Um, she has extremely thin bikini. Uh, on on commentary, they saying it's like dental floss, and of course, Taz like I gotta go floss my teeth. <laughs> Maybe I can use that. He's like, Sable, Sable, get over here. So pretty basic stuff. Just Sable giving us a preview of the, you know, doing the same thing Tori did. Just comes out in a bikini. Yeah, it was basically for the 14-year-old Scotty at the time. Right. All right, then we come to run down the pay-per-view card. Jared King put over the raw side that we talked about earlier. And then so the SmackDown side is going to have. So we have the big show and uh, Brock stretcher match. We apparently have Piper versus Hogan. We have um, the bikini contest, and then we have the tag ladder match is going to be the uh, the main matches coming from the SmackDown side. So it's a, it's quite a quite a card they've thrown together here, Chef. That's seventy five dollars twenty twenty three money right there. Ugh, yikes! Yeah. All right, so now we are going to get our interview with Ray. So he's backstage, which makes you think something's going to happen. <laughs> um, but he gets on the mic. He says that the doctors say he'll be cleared in a couple of weeks. You know, he's still got some issues going on. But his main goal is to come back and become the Cruiserweight champion. Um, there was a point. It was the only time he's ever been scared. He thought he may never wrestle again. Um, Michael Cole asked if he'll ever get in the ring with Big Show again. Ray hesitates for a while, and he doesn't really have an answer for that question right now. And right as he's saying that, a giant hand comes in, because he have like a close-up on his face, a giant hand comes in the frame and grabs him by the throat, and is, of course, the Big Show. Um, they go to a commercial. They come back. Big Show's dragging Ray to the ring um, with a stretcher in his hand, presumably to do the same thing he did to him uh, last month at um, at Backlash. Ray tries to fight, but he gets dropped with a Samoan drop by the Big Show. Gets choke slam. Um, show, I mean, no, he doesn't do the choke slam. He's holding up on the choke slam, clearly waiting on Brock to hit his cue because he's just holding Ray out there for like <laughs> ninety seconds, waiting for Brock to come and make the save. Brock finally comes out, um, hits Show, uh, takes Show out with the stretcher, and then hits the F five, which is obviously in, insanely impressive to pick up a man of that of that girth. Yeah, and F5 him, uh, and then Ray gets a little bulldog in right at the end to uh, get a, a little bit of revenge. And like you said earlier, Scott, and so we close out with Big Show in the in the uh, in the ring spitting like he always does and, and seething, and then Brock lifts Ray up like a child on his shoulders and kind of they mock Big Show. So, like you said earlier, this is not the this is such a weird like Brock does not seem like the guy that's. <laughs> going to be like holding like you said like it's like his little brother or something that he's protecting from the bullies it's just seems like a very it just doesn't work with brock and his whole presentation i don't know so that was weird but otherwise pretty basic stuff to build the stretcher match just to leave us with the uh you know pretty standard stuff to try and get us hyped for this stretcher match here yeah and it really like makes 
somehow they made Ray and Big Show both look like bitches here, which is pretty impressive. Um, <laughs> you know, instead of saying like that he's going to come back for revenge on Big Show, like he says he's going to go for the cruiserweight title. It's like it's Big Show, the cruiserweight champion, and I didn't, and I missed it. Um, and like you know, it makes him like sounds like he's he's like says he felt scared of the Big Show. It's like yeah, that's what I want from a babyface to admit that he's scared. Um, I, and did enjoy like like Ray like got some offense on him, like hit the six one nine and went to splash Big Show, but Big Show grabbed him and just hit a Samoan and drop on him, which we're lucky that didn't just kill the kill Mysterio there. Um, but like Lesnar must have missed a spot, like he said. But then like Big Show looks like a punk. And like, not only does he get F five, but like he's looking at Lesnar on the ramp, and Ray hits a big a bulldog on him. It's like this guy's supposed to be fighting Brock for the title in three days, and somehow I'm like, I already know who's gonna win. It's gonna be the guy standing who just F five your dumbass because they just let the guy who's going the next cruiserweight opponent uh, make you look like a bitch at the end of the match, at the end of the night. You make a good point about Ray. They really do. Like, now that you say it, it it's kind of like, they've kind of like just sacrificed him to try and make Big Show seem credible. Yeah. Because like you said, like, and then it even makes sure, so his goal is to be Cruiserweight champion, but like, obviously he can't hang with the heavyweights because he's like scared shitless of this big guy. Like, he should just come and say, like, no, I mean, I know he's bigger than me, but if he if he tries to injure me again, like I get you could say, like, well, they're trying to get sympathy on, but they have enough sympathy. The crowd saw him get his head smashed on the mat, like almost break his neck. Like that's enough to get sympathy. And he's Ray. Like the crowd loves him already. So to your point, like they don't need to have him like sitting here like shaking during the interview. But again, it's also they could try and make Big Show look more menacing. But I mean, let's be honest, who's got better prospects in two thousand three? Like Ray or Big Show. It's just sadly big same. show. It's a good point. Yeah. They should not have made Ray look so like just because the guy's bigger than him. Again, he should be like, you know what? If he comes after me, he might try and break my neck again, but I'll, I'll you know, if he's a giant, I'm still gonna beat his ass. I don't I'll do whatever I have to do. It's a good point. And then being held up like a child at the end also. <laughs> yeah, not they're not doing their to make Ray. I guess maybe they think he's bulletproof. Who knows? Yeah, but but then like he gets taken down. So, yeah, that's that's absurd. Yeah, it feels very like villain of the month um, booking to this whole thing. Pretty basic. But uh, that wraps up SmackDown. So, um, you know, I rated a bit higher than Raw. I ended up going a four out of ten, but because it, it had the good match on it, it was the only match I had on any of these shows that was above three or above. And it moved a bit quicker. Like, I thought the end ring was a little bit more entertaining. But similar to Raw, I felt it was, like, uninspired. Like, pretty blah. Like, a lot of the finishes and stuff were mailed in. You got a lot of, like, basic distraction finishes. And, you know, and then the show's just dominated by, you know, this Piper Hogan McMahon stuff. Which is just getting too much exposure. So, that's kind of hurting these shows, too. And just a lot of the other stuff, it just felt like they did a lot of paint-by-number stuff to build it. Yeah, like he said, all the matches, like most of the matches had run-ins of some sort. Like mm-hmm. the Hardy match yep. run-in, uh, Chucky Palumbo versus Rikishi. Stamboli ran in. Somehow he wasn't DQ'd. Um, then Cena and, and um, uh, Cena and Benoit 
And it's just like, really? Like, were you guys not talking that day when you're like, every match someone's going to run in, like, it's 1998? Mm-hmm. Right, like, 1980, I mean, 1998, but without, like, the all angles and stuff being super hot. So then you just have, yeah. like, eh, whatever. All right, we're going to the pay-per-view. All right, let's do that. It just feels like they're just mailing in. That's exactly what they're doing, sadly. All right. All right, so we're all hyped for the pay-per-view. Woo! Uh, we'll see. Maybe they'll surprise us. Well, it's usually those pay-per-views you don't really care about that have, like, a couple bangers. Like, I'm no lie, I'm looking forward to the ladder match. Same. Uh, and I think that might be <laughs> That might be it, sadly. Um, if they do, like, a quick stretcher match, I'll be okay with that. Like, 12, 12 mm-hmm. to 15 minutes. But, yeah, I'm, after that, it's... I mean, the IC title... That's nice that we're finally getting a secondary title back. So should be interesting to see who wins that because I can't remember. So yeah, hard not to think that they're not utilizing all their talent though. Like you don't really have anything for Cena. At least like he may show up in a match or something, but like nothing really built for Cena. You know, or Goldberg. Like right, Goldberg. You already shot that load on Raw. So yeah, just a lot of you know on a show where like they're obviously like trying to put something together. It's uh. We'll see. It'll be the last uh, co-branded show. Going out on a high note, obviously. There we go. All right, uh, best match to get to our awards. Best match, I'm going to go Benoit Cena for me. Yes. Best moment. Um, Uh, I don't know. Eddie putting the mustache on the Kurt. Portrait. I don't know. Vince saying castrating feces. (laughs) Yeah, I don't they, know. they're hard to come by. I mean, the Nash and HBK doing their poses together was pretty cool. There you go. But it might be Close something them. from SmackDown. I I don't know. It it was it was slim pickings. Yeah, nothing really. Yeah, not gonna be like yeah. The best moment was when uh they had the distraction, the basic run in. Best moment when they pulled off Zach Gallon's leg. Um, <laughs> that actually might. Be- most memorable moment at the very least right i guess we can go with that whatever uh best show i'm giving the smackdown by a hair but it was you know uh, they they didn't do anything spectacular yeah it's like the south park episode with a douchebag and a turd sandwich so it's smackdown it is uh lvp i'm gonna go with three minute warning they even they basically call themselves jabronis and then came out and got their shit pushed in can i do it with piper you certainly can, for sure. Yeah, I'm going with Piper. Yeah, he's he's looking a little rough, and he's not doing anything great on the mic. Uh, MVP, uh, like I kind of want to go Eddie, even though he didn't do a whole lot, but he was like, you know, or maybe Cena for that match. I thought Cena was real good. It's MVP is hard. There, there wasn't really much of a standout. Like I don't know who the fuck you would give it to on Raw if you pick somebody from Raw. Oh, it's no one from Raw. That's the answer. It, it, you know, I could see Brock because he hit two nice F fives. Yeah. So I'm gonna go with Brock because the F five, uh, Chuck Palumbo, and then Big Show's big ass. So there we go. We'll give it to Brock. Simple enough. Standouts. Uh, I'm gonna go. Obviously, Eddie. I enjoyed him. Um, I'm gonna go Flair and Hurricane on Raw. That match was pretty fun. Yes. Uh, 
Flair literally showed ass for Hurricane. Uh, trying to see Shelton was good in that match. Uh, you got anybody? All the people that you mentioned, uh, honorable mention to the FBI for coming in on that segment. Good boys. All the people they whacked. Like I said, I'm an FBI mark. I never thought this would happen, but here's where I'm at. Chef going to be uh, Googling, trying to find FBI. He's going to, but the Googling is going to be so hard for you to find this shirt because you keep trying to find FBI. You're just going to either get like the FBI or like female body inspector novelty shirts. You're like, no, I want FBI from WWE in 2003. Where are the shirts? <laughs> oh, God, I hope they, I hope they have made a shirt. I'm looking get on it. Now. Get on homage. Where's the FBI shirt? <laughs> Uh, I found a full-blooded Italian shirt, but it's not the same. Also, I'm not a... Well, I guess I would be like the ECW full-blooded Italian. Right. You're like, no, not the ECW one. 2003, <laughs> the superior version. <laughs> uh, now I'm looking what Johnny Stamboli's up to now. Let me know if you get any updates. Um, but in the meantime, let us know what you got going on uh, podcast-wise. Uh, yeah, I am a part of a lot of podcasts. Uh, not a lot, eh, a lot for me. Yes, uh, I'm on YouTube <laughs> Roulette, <laughs> which is on the for, uh, P2P and Wrestling feed. It's myself, Jacob Williams, Logan Crossland, and Matt Souza. It's Mystery Science Theater 3000 meets wrestling. You know, sometimes we have Sean on, we all make fun of each other. It's great listening, we have a good time. And sometimes we watch some banger matches, and sometimes we watch the worst matches anyone has ever seen. Uh, You can also find me on Crock and Roll. That's right. We're back for the first time in almost a year. Uh, Changed the format a little bit, and uh, we brought in Logan. uh, But Dr. G and uh, Colm will be coming back. Uh, We don't know when. Just stay tuned. But we just had our first episode of that, and that just dropped. Um you can find me here on the NoSo feed with the uh, Seven Months of Danger as we are on our last two episodes. Our um, penultimate episode just dropped, and then our next episode is going to be War Games. And uh, Jake joins us for the War Games as he joined us for the Class of Champions of Pay-Per-Views. But that's myself, uh, Logan Crossland, Sean Kidd, Matt Souza. See if you notice a trend here. And my final, uh, well, another podcast that's coming out uh Sometime this summer, uh, summer of 2023, if you listen to this in the in the future, and that is called Linking Up Luchas, where we're going on over L- Lucha Underground. That's uh, going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Jake, you're on that, right? Yes, I will be involved. Yes, Jake is going to be on that. Myself, Logan Crossland, Sean Kidd, and Jenny Smith, because we told Susan we didn't want him anymore. Um, so there's that. On the pop feed, I'm with Traders of the Lost Ark with Sean Kidd, Andy Atherton, and Tim Capel, where every month or every six weeks it, lately, we hit a different comic book arc and we talk about it. Our most recent one was The Longbow Hunters. That was a great episode. And um, I do the video game pod, Play While You Listen, where I, every month I interview people. I've had Jake on, and then we go over the month's new releases and the top video games for the month. This fall is going to be pretty awesome for video games i'm not going to lie but the summer has been awesome as well as in uh the month of june we had diablo and final fantasy hit and those have just been amazing for what i hear i have not played them but i want to if i ever hit the lottery and i can just play video games 24 7 
It can be found on Twitter at Scott underscore Shiflet and Play While You Listen Pod. Yeah, I think I hit them all, Jake. Perfect. Yeah, stay tuned. I was able to join you guys on that last one for, uh, to close out Seven Months of Danger. And I'll be uh, in the next limited, uh, I guess we'd call it like a limited series with uh, with the uh, Lincoln Up Lucha. So looking forward to it. And uh, thank you for joining me on this ride. We got one more shift. We'll be covering Judgment Day 2003, our next episode. So uh, thanks for listening. Hope you tune in for that one as well. And we'll see uh, how this whole hodgepodge of a card shakes out. And uh, we'll see what's going to happen with this one-legged man and uh, what's going to happen with the blood feud between Triple, I was calling Triple Nash. Uh, <laughs> Triple Nash and uh, Big H. We'll see what's going on with those two. But uh, thanks for listening, and me and Chip will see you next time for Judgment Day. turned into a clown, and no girl ever wants to dance with a fool who went and ripped his pants. I know I shouldn't mope around, I shouldn't curse, but the pain feels so much worse. Because winding up with no one is a lot less fun than a burn from Now I learned a lesson I won't soon forget So let